culture. Anger is all around us, and unfortunately in many of us, ruining lives and relationships. Today, we'll be looking at ways to defeat this giant. This message is the fifth in the series, Gigantic. The message is entitled, A Giant Called Anger, Part 1. Here is Pastor Dalo Shields. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, there's a great story of David as he is uh, facing down this giant called Goliath. Most of you know the story of how David, this young shepherd boy, contends with this giant Goliath and how through the grace and power of God he overcomes him and how that story provides encouragement for us as we're dealing with the various giants in our lives. We're taking a look at the whole idea that the giants that we contend with are not always out there. Sometimes they're in here. They're inside of us things that we have to overcome that get in the way of us really being all that God wants us to be. And as we talked about, soul pain, hurting on the inside, the pain that we often carry around in us oftentimes gets in the way of us being all that God wants us to be. And then also there's another giant that many people in our world today are dealing with. It's a giant called anger. And in fact, the world in which we live today is a very angry culture. If you don't believe it, just look around at the countenance of people, watch people uh, in the way they drive, the way they interact, the kind of stuff that happens in the world on the news headlines. You see over and over again, we're living in a world that is filled up with lots of angry people. And from God's Word, it's important to understand that we as Christians are to be different. Amen? We're not to be like the world. In fact, God calls us and instructs us and will help us through the power of His Holy Spirit to overcome those things that would pull us down, including stuff like anger. And I want to talk to us this weekend and next weekend about how do you conquer, how do you deal with this giant called anger in your life. And for this weekend, what I'm going to do is share with you three foundational principles that you must understand regarding anger from the Bible. Uh, and then next weekend, we'll actually get into what the Scripture says regarding actually how to overcome anger in your life in a positive and healthy way. So today, we're looking at three things that you and I must understand about anger. First of all, write it down. Anger very simply is. Anger is. Anger is an emotion that every person experiences. It's not something that is, that, that you're, you're strange if you feel angry from time to time. Everybody feels it. It's an emotion that God created you with the capacity to experience. And anger in and of itself is not sinful. In fact, anger is designed by God to turn your anger into energy toward productivity. That's the whole idea behind this emotion called anger, that if it can be managed the right way, the energy of anger can be made to be productive toward problems. Unfortunately, what happens is we often turn our anger toward people instead of toward problems, and of course, we end up hurting people, hurting ourselves along the way, and we'll talk more about that in a bit. Now, what we must also understand is that most of us, most of the time, don't do this. We don't do it very well. We don't manage our anger very well. And because of that, we get into a danger zone. In fact, there's only one letter difference between anger and danger. All you have to do is add the D. And there you see that oftentimes what we do is we find ourselves in this danger zone because we don't manage anger the right way. And notice what the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. I'm going to invite you to read this together with me. Let's all read it aloud and loudly. Here we go. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. In your anger, that is, there's going to be anger in your life, don't let your anger lead you to, 
to sin. That is, anger can very easily turn into sin. Notice Colossians 3, 13. While we don't see the word anger there, we see the concept of anger and how we're warned about it in Colossians 3, 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance, circle that word on your notes, a grievance against someone. Grievance comes from anger in your heart. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, Therefore I want men or people everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. Paul says when you come to a place of worship, you're not really worshiping the right way if your hands are unclean and if your heart is filled with anger. And then the Apostle James reminds us of this in James chapter 1 verse 20, that human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. That when you and I fall prey to human anger, what happens in our life is we fail to do the right thing and usually we end up doing the wrong thing. So you and I need to be on guard against anger. When you're angry, you're very close to danger. Now, how do we become more sensitive to anger in our lives and how to respond the right way to it? What I want to do for the next few moments is to share with you nine characteristics or nine, perhaps should say, events circumstances that will happen in your life that can easily result in you and I feeling angry. And so when you know these things, you can be aware of them and your guard can be up so that you don't fall prey to this sin and the consequences that come as a part of it. The first thing that often causes anger in your life would be obstacles, stuff that just simply gets in your way. Whether it's real or perceived, if something is in front of you that you don't want there, generally you feel angry about it. If you don't believe that, just watch what happens on the beltway tomorrow morning, okay? When someone pulls in front of you and you don't want that obstacle in front of you because you want to go a certain speed and they're going a different speed that is less than your speed, then what you feel is they're an, they're, they're an obstruction to my goal. They're, they're in my way. They're a hindrance to what I want to accomplish. And it's not just in the realm of driving. It could be in any realm of life when you have an obstacle that gets in the way of what you want to be, your progress in a particular moment, the tendency is to feel angry about it. Second of all, hurt. When you and I are hurt, Emotionally, psychologically, relationally, what happens even physically at times, that hurt can generate a response. The wounds in your life can make you very respond in anger. So you have to be careful when someone hurts your feelings, when something hurts you, be on guard. Why? Because that hurt can lead you to anger that leads to sin. Thirdly, unfulfilled expectations. When you and I are expecting things to happen in a certain way and they don't happen based upon our personal expectations, and those expectations even can be unrealistic. Oftentimes we have very unrealistic expectations of people and things, but nevertheless we put those expectations over on people and circumstances, and then when it doesn't happen our way and our timing, we pout, we react, we seek revenge, we have this anger that rises inside of us. The fourth reason or or pathway to anger or cause of anger would be the losses that happen in your life. Everybody faces losses. You lose people in your life to death, loved ones that pass away. And one of the, one of the often the steps in a grieving process is you go through sometimes a little bit of anger. Why did you leave me? Why am I left here alone without you? And often that is a part of coming to a place of healing. If you lose a job, if you lose your health, if you lose something that is valuable to you in your life, one of the natural tendencies of the sinful nature is to respond with agitation and frustration and anger internally. 
The fifth one would be injustice. An injustice is something that you just don't feel is fair, that you got treated in some way or you saw someone treated in some way that you can deem to be unfair treatment and that sense of injustice, whether it be to you or to someone else, can generate inside of you a reaction, okay? And oftentimes, here's the problem with that. Oftentimes, what, the way we live life, if we live with an injustice mindset, what we do is we carry the proverbial chip on our shoulder. And so we're just waiting for somebody to tick us off and to treat us in a way that we feel like we don't want to be treated. And so because of that, we easily get offended. And that offense inside of us creates the anger response. We have this tendency to put people into two categories in life. We make people the villains and the victims. And oftentimes, Sometimes we feel like we're the victims and other people are the villains. And so we go about with this sort of mindset of injustice. And there are real injustices that happen. I'm not in any way denying that reality and denying how there needs to be proper responses to injustice. But what I'm saying is that we have to live our life in a way that we're not always putting people in the categories of I'm the victim and you're the villain. You're the person that's always after me, okay? The sixth one is control. That's when you and I want to control stuff. We, we, when we can't control what we want to control or the person we want to control and they're not cooperating with us or doing what we want them to do, then oftentimes what we do is we become very, very angry. I, I describe it this way. It's like you only have one tool in your toolbox and when things aren't going the way you want them to go, the only tool you know how to use is the tool of anger. And so to get what you want or to change things the way you want them to be changed, that's the only tool on your tool belt, the only tool in your toolbox. You get angry and your angry response is your approach to deal with things and to try to change things, including trying to control people with your life and in your life. The next one, number seven, is pride. All of us have pride. And the central letter of the word pride, what is right in the middle of the word pride? I, exactly. And so pride is all about I. It's all about me. And so when you feel like someone doesn't honor you, you as a person, they don't respect you the way that you want to be respected, the tendency is to react with anger. Number eight is threat. When you and I are threatened, either physically or psychologically, when we feel like something is unsafe, we have this fight or flight mentality. And out of the, especially the fight mentality, there's this angry defense that oftentimes will come up. And the last one I'll mention here, why do we get angry? Is because of our habits and our temperament. Some of us are just born, we come into the world with a, a personality that has a short fuse. Do you know anyone like that? Okay. They were just born that way. They have this tendency to just react a lot quicker maybe than other people. It's in their temperament, okay? Now, that doesn't justify it, by the way. If that's your temperament, if that's your personality, if your personality is sort of be, to be hot quickly in terms of your interaction with people and the way you deal with these kinds of things in life, that's not a good thing. It's a part of your personality that needs to grow. But that's a temperament thing that some people have to contend with. And I will also say that some of us learn anger through habits. Because you grew up in a family that they dealt with everything in anger. I mean, there was never a good, reasonable conversation about stuff. You never dealt with conflict the right way. And so because of this ongoing sort of atmosphere of chaos and anger, you learn, well, I guess that's just the way you deal with life. And so you grew up and went into adulthood with the habits that you learned maybe from your parents or the family environment that you grew up in. Grew up in. And so you carry that with you. But what I want you to understand first 
first and foremost, according to the Bible, is that anger is. It is something that everybody has to deal with. It is an emotion that is common to all of us. And anger, we must be aware of the reality that anger always, when it arises in your life, whether it be from one or more of these sources that we've just described, always puts you on a precipice of potential danger. You're very, very close. In your anger, do not sin. What he's telling us, what God is telling us, is that anger can very quickly lead you into an area of sin. The second thing that I want you to note today about anger is, according to the Bible, anger has bad consequences. There are bad consequences to anger. Now, the reason I I remind you of this is because oftentimes you and I will not deal with stuff in our life until we realize what it's doing to us. We talked about this in the realm of your pain. You're not willing to maybe deal with pain until you realize the impact pain is having on you. The same is true regarding anger. And so you have to understand something of what anger does to you before you and to the people around you before you may be willing to actually and motivated to actually deal with it. Now, according to the Bible, there, there are different words in the Bible or in the original language of the Bible that are used for anger that help us to understand something about what anger is. Let's go back to the Old Testament just for a moment, all right? In the Old Testament, the primary original language of the Old Testament, our Old Testament Bible, is Hebrew, okay? And so sometimes to understand something about the Hebrew words that are translated into our English translations of the Bible will help us to grasp a a deeper meaning of a particular term. And the Hebrew, one of the Hebrew terms for anger that's most commonly translated into the English language, uh, anger, uh, from the old Hebrew, is a word that means to have your nostrils flare. That's what it means. So when the Bible says, and he was angry, that word literally means that you have your nostrils flaring and your face distorted. Isn't that interesting? And that's exactly what happens to you, isn't it? When you get angry, there is a, there is a physiological response. That's what the Bible is trying to tell us. The Bible is saying that something starts happening physiologically in you that's not good for you. Your nose gets bigger and your face looks strange. And people around you start picking up on the fact that person is angry. And you begin to read it in the atmosphere. How many of you know that you can read an angry atmosphere, amen? Okay, you know what that feels like. You begin to see it on someone. And that, that's interesting. The Bible says, the word for anger, your nose gets bigger and your face looks strange. You come into the New Testament, and the New Testament, primary language in the New Testament, Greek, and the word for anger in the Greek language, one of the words that's translated anger in the Greek language, from the Greek language to the English, is a word that means to be, to have intensity or passion. It's a word that's used to describe even violent kind of actions or impulsiveness. And have you noticed that when you get angry, part of the thing that you have to control with anger is your, your passion, the burning fire that begins to rise inside of you, that tendency toward violence that tendency toward impulsiveness. You do things really without thinking about them when you're angry. And so it's very clear. Again, there's a physiological and psychological response the Bible is telling us when we get angry. Both of these are addressing something that happens inside of people when they become angry that's not good for them. Bad consequences. Now, let's describe again nine consequences, bad consequences of anger. This stuff is really important 
important because this is what's going to motivate you to start dealing with this. Some of you have a real challenge with this in your life. In fact, all of us have some level of challenge with it. And these nine things I'm going to share with you should help you to be motivated to get rid of this thing, to deal with it more effectively. First of all, anger consumes your attention. When you're angry, even whether you realize it or not, sometimes you're angry and you don't even know it. You haven't identified it, sort of unconsciously carrying something that's frustrating you on the inside. Sometimes you're consciously aware of it. But whether you're conscious, conscious, conscious of it or not, what happens is anger is an energy that is consuming a certain amount of your attention. I think of my life as, as any point in time only having a certain amount of bandwidth. Everybody know what bandwidth is, okay? We're in the internet age now, and so bandwidth, that's what you get that makes your internet faster or slower, depending upon how, you know, how, how much width is there for, for the bands of the internet or whatever it might be, the traffic that you need to flow into in or out of traffic of, of websites, etc. All of us in our life only have a certain amount of bandwidth, okay? Your work takes up a part of your bandwidth. Your relationships take up a part of your, part of your bandwidth. You have just things that you've assigned bandwidth to in your life. Now, when anger is going on, here's what anger does. Anger comes in and steals some of your bandwidth. And you're wondering, why, why am I not as attentive and productive at work? Or why am I having these problems in my relationship? Or why is life so difficult in this realm? Part of the reason is because your anger has stolen some of the resources of your life, hijacked those resources, and you don't even realize that, but you're, you're being consumed. Your energy is being consumed by processing, dealing with, trying to push this anger down. I've illustrated it this way before. It's like having a beach ball in a swimming pool. You ever had a beach ball in a swimming pool? And you take that beach ball full of air and you try to push it down underwater, what happens? It always wants to pop up and you have to use energy to keep it down. Well, when anger is in your life, what you're doing, whether you realize it or not, it's like having a big old beach ball and you've got it pushed underwater and you're trying to pop on it, sit down on it, keep it under so it doesn't pop up and ruin your life or ruin something in a moment. And so you're using energy and it's in a negative way. Stuff that you could be bandwidth that you could be using productively, you're using to be, it's being consumed by this. It also destroys your health. I don't have time to take uh, you through the whole realm of what the scientific studies have shown regarding the impact of anger in your life, what it does to you physically. It can be the cause of things like headaches and heart disease and strokes and uh, the breakdown of your immune system. All kinds of things have been proven actually in medical studies regarding hostility inside of people, what it does to your very health. It also clouds your judgment. When you are angry, you are under the influence. When you're angry on the roadway, you're driving under the influence. Or you're not driving under the influence of drugs or alcohol, but you're driving under the influence of something that is clouding your judgment. Because when you're angry, you do stuff that you normally wouldn't do. You make, we'll get to this in a moment, some decisions that you shouldn't be making. Now, I made a choice in my life that I don't, my wife and I, we don't consume alcohol for a number of different reasons. But one of the reasons why I don't consume any alcohol is because I make enough bad decisions without an influence in my life like that, okay? And so I realize I don't want anything influencing my life that's going to contribute to me, me making more mistakes than I already make, amen? How many of you make enough mistakes when you're sober, okay? Raise your hand, okay? That alone should be a reason for you to stop drinking if you do, okay? Get it out of your life. 
Now, the same is true regarding anger, okay? That if anger is consuming your life and if it's affecting you and you're not making good decisions, it's affecting your judgment, that's a reason to deal with it. It also stresses us out. All of us have more stress than we need right now. Amen? You got way more stress. You know what stress does? Stress is tension, okay? Stress is putting pressure on things in such a way that over time it actually creates fractures. It creates brokenness in people's lives. And so what stress does for you is very, very damaging. It actually can rob your life. And anger is a stressor. It diminishes decision-making ability. We talked about that. It damages and destroys our relationships. How many marriages have been destroyed by someone not managing their anger? How many friendships have been torn apart? by someone not managing their anger. How many people just don't even have any friends anymore because people say, don't get close to that guy or that gal because they're angry all the time. And so they just stay away from you. And so no relationship bonds ever develop. It also leads to spiritual oppression. I want to talk just for a moment about this one. Anger, listen closely. Anger is one of the few things that's spoken of in the Bible as a way to actually open yourself to Satan's influence. One of the few things in Scripture that very specifically says, if you let this in your life, it will open the way to satanic influence. Let's read again Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Read together with me aloud and loudly. Here we go. In your anger, do not sin. So stop there for a moment. Paul's saying, anger, very close to. So anger comes up, danger, danger. Read the rest with me. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. This is one of the few passages in the Bible that very specifically say to us, if you do this, that's going to happen, and that that is an opening of your life to satanic influence. Now, I would venture to say that all of us here that have any understanding of the Bible, any belief in spiritual things would say, if we're wise, I don't want Satan anywhere near my life. Amen? I don't. But the Bible says that if you hold on to anger, if you give it a place inside of you, what you're doing is you're actually opening your life to the opportunity of Satan to develop a a foothold, a grip on your life. Now, if you are a wise person, you would never let a liar and a thief and a murderer live in your home, would you? If you knew that someone was a liar and a thief and a murderer, you would invite them to come and live at your house, would you, if you're wise? Well, but you must understand the Bible says of Satan that he is a liar. The Bible says of Satan that he is a thief. The Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He is a murderer. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And when you and I hold on to anger, we have literally invited a liar, a thief, and a murderer to have some aspect of control over our lives. Now, someone's saying, Pastor, are you saying that when you're an angry person, you're demon-possessed? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying you're not either, okay? But what I am saying to you is you've opened your life to something that has a grip on you that is lying to you, that is stealing from you, and that will ultimately kill or destroy the effectiveness of your life. You've opened your life to the adversary of God, and if he's the adversary of God, he's your adversary as well. Amen? 
And so the Bible says, hey, deal with this anger stuff. Why? Because if you don't, it's going to lead to spiritual oppression. That one thing alone ought to make every one of us get on our knees right now and say, God, forgive me. Cleanse me of every angry spirit inside. That one passage alone should bring about great repentance in our lives. The last one I'll mention here is that leads to explosion or implosion. I promise you this. If you hold on to anger inside of you at some point in time, to some degree. It may not be massive, but to some degree there will be an explosion or explosions in your life or implosions in your life. You will explode at somebody, and we see it happening in the news every day. Somebody gets mad, it builds up inside of them, and they get a gun, start shooting people, and the you know, next thing you know, how many people are dead? Because somebody exploded. Their anger exploded onto a culture around them. And it may not be that drastic, hopefully for you, but it might be you explode on your wife, or you explode onto your children, you explode on a coworker at work, but it just blasts out of you and there's a damage that is done. It may again be small, it can be large, but I promise you that anger creates explosion or implosion. What is an implosion? It's when you break down on the inside. I assure you that holding onto anger, if you don't deal with it effectively, if it doesn't come out and turn again against somebody else is going to turn against you. It's going to destroy you on the inside, all right? So anger is, and anger has bad consequences. Let's go to our third point together. The third thing today is that anger increases with focus. Anger increases with focus. Even small amounts of anger are dangerous, even small amounts. How much arsenic would you like to have in your coffee? Oh, it's just a little bit. You know, you realize that even a little bit can be life-threatening. We must understand in the realm of anger that small amounts of anger can be dangerous because here's what happens. Given the right environment, given a conducive environment, what happens is this, small anger grows into big anger. We might say it this way, a little giant grows into a giant giant. And that's where a lot of you are today. You, you start out with a little bit of anger about something, but because of an environment that has been created inside of you, an environment that is conducive to the growth of anger, what's happened is a little giant of anger has now turned into a giant giant of anger, and inside you're carrying this angry spirit. Environmental, spiritual, psychological, environmental factors, if you will, internal to you, have created the, the opportunity for that anger to grow. Now, let me tell you two ways that you and I create this environment where little anger becomes big anger. I'll talk about two things, two things. Number one, when you think about it, and number two, when you talk about it. When you think about what you're angry about, and when you talk about what you're angry about, especially if you talk about it with somebody else that's angry. Notice how this happens. When you think about what you're angry about and you start thinking it over and you start thinking, yeah, that guy that just cut me off, he really is a jerk. Not only is he a jerk, he was after me anyway. 
And you begin to build this case inside. All that's happened is that somebody pulled in front of you, maybe inadvertently on I-270, and before long, man, you're fuming, and your, your whole day practically has been ruined by the fact that this guy has done this. Why? Because instead of just sloughing it off and releasing it and letting go of it, you started thinking about it. And then that thing said, well, you not only, he not only does that, my wife did that to me this morning too. And before long, you're pulling in everybody else who's mistreated you in some way. And one guy gets the whole thing going. And before long, this little bit of anger that you had because somebody cut in front of you on the highway becomes this big thing that ruins your day and ruins maybe your whole week, sometimes ruins your life because you do something really stupid in response to that. That one little thing because you thought about it and you mulled it over becomes bigger. Anybody just want to say, just with a little hand, I've done that before. Come on, come on, I've done that before. Oh, wow, that's only like, like 10% of you. The rest of you are like, wow, you're amazing, okay? You've done that before. You built this huge case out of something that was so little. Let me tell you something else. When you talk about it, especially when you talk about it with someone that feeds your anger. Oh, yeah, you're right to feel that way. I'd feel that way too. In fact, I'm angry about it because you're angry about it. And before long, you got this thing going, and it's like gasoline on a fire, and this person throws a little log here, and the other person throws another log, and a little more gasoline, a little more lighter fluid. And before long, we got this amazing thing going on. Why? Because you're talking about how angry you are, and you're stoking the flames of this stuff in your life. Write it down in your notes. The more you mull, the matter you become. The more you mull it over in your mind, and the second thing to write down there, the more you mutter, the madder you become. When you mutter about this stuff, and you just sort of spill your stuff out, and you engage other people in your anger, it always makes it larger. The Bible calls that something. The Bible calls that nursing your grudges. Now, I'll give you a moment to write down what I ask you to write down, then look up this way with me, if you will. Nursing your grudges. You've heard that phrase before, haven't you? Okay. Nursing your grudges. When you think about and talk about what you're angry about in a non-therapeutic, non-repentant way, okay, you're, you're actually nourishing, you're, you're, you're actually nursing that grudge. And anything you nurse, anything you nurture, what happens to it? It grows, doesn't it? I mean, it doesn't take, uh, you know, rocket science to figure that out, right? Anything you nurse is going to grow. It gets larger. Whatever you nurse grows. I want to take you to one example of this in the Bible, and then we're going to be done here for today, and we'll uh, pick up the rest of this next weekend. Mark chapter 6. Before you go there, let me just tell you the background of the story. Mark chapter 6 describes part of the ministry of a man by the name of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was the forerunner of Christ. He prepared the way for Jesus to come. We all remember something about that story if we've studied some of Jesus' ministry, okay? And the way John the Baptist ministered is he called people to repent. He told them what their sins were. And he said, get right with God because Messiah is coming. You need to be ready for him when he comes. And he would baptize people unto repentance. That is, getting their lives right with God. And so John the Baptist told it like it was, okay? He would tell you straight up what was right and what was wrong. He was prophetic in that dimension of his ministry, okay? Okay? 
During the time of John the Baptist, there was a ruler whose name was Herod, one of the Herods that was ruling during that time. And Herod fell in love with his brother's wife. One of his brothers, Philip, and Herod falls in love with Philip's wife, Herodias, and actually takes Philip's wife and makes Herodias his wife. Well, John the Baptist preached to him about that. He told him it was wrong. And Herod and Herodias both knew that John the Baptist had an opinion about this relationship. And, they, and John the Baptist preached very straight up, this is wrong. What you've done is not pleasing in the eyes of God. And, and Herodias, the wife of Herod now, former wife of Philip, this, this, this lady became very angry at John the Baptist. So much so that when the opportunity came at a particular banquet where Herod made uh, an opportunity to, to be told what he could be asked to do by his wife, then, then he, he, she asked for the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And you can read about this in Mark chapter 6. But here's what I want you to see in verse 19. I want to see how we move from this preaching of John the Baptist to the execution of John the Baptist out of anger. Notice verse 19, Mark chapter 6. So Herodias nursed a... What does it say she did? She had a grudge, and what did she do with it? She nursed it. She fed it. She nurtured it. Every day she'd think about that, John the Baptist... She nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. Notice that what started out just as a grudge after being nursed turned into a murderous spirit. Are you with me on this? A little giant of anger becomes a giant giant of anger. Why? Because Herodias did what? She nursed a grudge against John. She got mad at the preacher. She got offended at the pastor because the preacher and the pastor told her what she didn't want to hear. You hear what I'm saying this morning? Okay. The preacher and the pastor said, that's a sin. She said, I don't like that word. And I don't like you because you told me it was a sin. And so every day she nursed this grudge. And before long, what was a grudge of offense became a grudge that resulted in murder. Now, I say that's dangerous, don't you? So what we must understand very, very clearly is that what happens with anger is that the more you focus on it, the more it intensifies and increases in your life. And that's why you and I need to be motivated to deal with it. So anger is, it's a real emotion that everybody gets. Anger has bad consequences that ought to motivate you to say, I'm going to do something about it. And anger increases with focus, which means that you must begin to learn, how do I take the focus off of my anger? How do I make the choices that will lead me to releasing this from my life? And that's where you're going to put a really big comma. Because next week, we're going to wrap up talking about this whole idea of actually how do you deal with anger? How do you properly confront it in your life? So put your notes away. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we're so grateful this morning for the opportunity we have of studying your word. We believe that you're speaking into our lives about this very thing called anger. And I pray, Lord, that today you would remind each one of us that while anger is, it can also be a very dangerous thing in our life. 
And I pray that you would remind us of the consequences that often come. And I pray, Lord, that each of us today would be real about those consequences that we've already seen in our own lives. It would motivate us to realize that we need to make some changes. We thank you that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you come to help us, that we can't do this by ourselves, but you come to help us to deal with this issue, this problem. And so, God, we're calling on your name right now, asking that your grace and power would come to help us, help us to learn the principles where we can turn this around in the way that you so desire. Take this truth or these truths and seal them deeply in our hearts today, we pray in Jesus' name. Well, perhaps as you've been watching today's broadcast, something's been happening inside of you. Maybe you felt a stirring in your heart, something that's reminded you that you need to get some things right in your life with God. The first way we start in that journey with God is to open our hearts to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of our life, to turn all of our life over to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. It's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Would you bow your head with me and pray this prayer? Say these words, say, Jesus, just acknowledge that He is Lord. Say, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all of my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me just then, I want to encourage you with the promise of God's Word that says when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there's salvation that's brought to our lives. He changes us on the inside, from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you, you need to take some next steps. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word, to make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it, to spend some time each day in prayer. We have some resources available for you through our website. We'd love to provide those for you. Just let us know that you need those and we'll make sure that we get them into your hands. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.